Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast. This is Mariah Morgan. And this is Aaron Martin. And today we are going to continue our discussions. We've been on a little trend lately of exploring some of the um, not so Western medicine type ideas of treatment. We've been talking with nutritionists, we've been talking with therapists, and today we're going to talk with a chiropractor who specializes in neuroscience. He has a great love for it, and he works at the Southwest Brain Performance Center in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They really see a whole wide spectrum of different ailments and different brain injuries, and they're serving an area that sounds to be underserved in that area and probably is in a lot of places around the country and around the world. So join me in welcoming Dr. Taylor Eves to talk more about everything brain injury. Welcome, Taylor. Welcome, Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. So why don't we start out, Taylor, since we've been told that you have a fondness for neuroscience, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be doing what you're doing, why you have a fondness for neuroscience, it's very specific, and what you're doing now? So, well, thanks for having me on, first off. Um, I, I would like to say that I didn't have a fondness for neuroscience going through chiropractic school right away. I uh, went to chiropractic school at Park University in Dallas, and chiropractic physicians are, we are holistic-minded people. And when I was in school, you know, we learned a lot of stuff about pain and things like that, but not a whole lot neuroscience-wise about why when we treat people, we see the results that we do see. But I was lucky because there was a pretty uh, famous clinic down the road about five minutes from our school. It was called Cerebrum Health Centers. It's not there anymore, but I was able to shadow there while I was in chiropractic school. And that was my first taste of seeing applied clinical neuroscience or chiropractic neurology in action, uh, treating all kinds of different patients from PTSD to people with significant head injuries who couldn't walk. Uh, all kinds of stuff like that that you would see, you would think you would see like in a PT clinic, but we were doing they're doing all kinds of uh, weird things that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Eye movement therapies, vibration platforms, uh, spinning in a gyro stem, if you've ever seen those. No, uh, what all is these that? Things. I, yeah. That sounds <laughs> like a Ferris wheel. Yeah, what yeah. is that? <laughs> it, yeah. a, a gyro stem, gyro stem if, I, if I am not mistaken, uh, NASA created these uh, spinning, this technology where you're kind of strapped in and it will spin you at different planes forward, backwards, right, left, and then, you know, complete 360s at angles and stuff like that. And it's called a gyro stem. And I've never seen one before either. I was like, what is this thing? And they were using it to treat people. And it was really cool. But, you know, that was just one of the many therapies that they did at that clinic that I was telling you about. And I got really interested in neuroscience after that, because I couldn't believe the results they were getting. They were, it wasn't just your traditional, here's some medication, here's three weeks or four weeks of physical therapy and goodbye. Like it was like very tailored programs that are like, not just, you know, the physical aspect, but the mental aspect, the physiology behind things. And to me, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. You know, they're tying things together that a lot of other people have never seen tie things together. And that's when I got interested in neuroscience. So that was about a year into chiropractic school. And there I just kind of was obsessed. So I just, you know, I ended up getting my master's degree in neuroscience and going through the Carrick Institute, which is a learning platform that a lot of what you hear about chiropractic neurologists, they go through different programs as like a subspecialty in our profession, which is chiropractic neurology. And I mean, I I took several hundred hours. I'm not a diplomate. So if you look up my name and try to find me in that realm. I'm not there, but the guy I work for is there. So if you look up our clinic in um, Albuquerque, you'll find that. So, but yeah, I just got very interested in neuroscience because of the results people were getting. And, and I think more people should know about it because there's these practitioners all over the country and they're treating people at a very high level. And a lot of people don't know about yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably one of those people, I would say. I think a lot of us think of like the chiropractor as someone who like you go to and they pop your back, pop, 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 and then you're done. So can you talk a little bit about what kind of treatments a, like a chiropractic neurologist would be able to help with or 
enlighten us because I feel like I'm starting from zero here, honestly. I am too. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, good question. So what we do is when someone calls our clinic and and they've had a concussion um, and they haven't healed from it, we typically don't see acute head injury patients. Our treatment paradigm isn't very good with that because when you have a head injury, you really need a little bit of rest and kind of like light active recovery in the beginning, depending on the grade of your injury. But when you come in to see us, it's usually chronic. You've never heard of this before. It's It's been months or even years, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars out of pocket. And you've been just told you're going to have to live with this. And so typically we see the worst of the worst, unfortunately, because of that. And when people come in or they call us, We'll tell them, okay, you know, it, it might take three or four hours to get through our testing procedures. You know, we do neurofeedback in the office, so we'll do a brain map, QEEG brain map. We'll do uh, diagnostic testing, testing your balance. We'll test your cognitive uh, performance, and we'll test your eye tracking ability. That's we'll do all those things before we even do a physical exam. So we'll do a an hour, hour and a half long physical exam, and we'll kind of combine all these findings together and say. This is what your brain and body, this is the output. These are the deficiencies. These are the things I think that we can do to help those and potentially help you recover. Because a lot of people don't realize when they have these brain injuries that, you know, no one looks at the eyes, hardly. A lot of people don't. A lot of practitioners don't. So we're kind of looking at all these things together because a brain and a body is multiple things, right? Mm -hmm. It's a multimodal system. It's not you know, Q, counter Q, I have a brain bruise. It's not that. It's what What are all the findings? What are the functional aspects of your brain? What does the output look like? And if it's outside of normal, can we make a change with that? And how fast can we do that? And is that appropriate for this person's brain injury? Because I got to tell you, I could do the same thing for you, Aaron, mm-hmm. and the same thing for you, Mariah, for the same head injury. You have the same findings. I do the same therapy, and it doesn't help one of you. Mm. So when you come to a chiropractic neurologist um, or a chiropractor who's trained in these things, we're not, we're not stuck in A equals, you know, A plus B equals C. It's what is this person sitting in front of me? What are their findings? Can I make a change? Because your brain's different than everyone else's. So we're looking at things at kind of at a, a bigger view. We're, we're taking a step back and saying, you know, the brain's way too complex to come up with a protocol to treat this person. So we kind of combine all these things uh, day one. Most people don't even have a physical exam done after concussion. So they'll come to see us. Like, I've seen 10 doctors and no one's even touched me yet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. it's sad, but it's that's the world we live in. Yeah, it, I feel like there's like a lack of awareness in general, at least in our country. Some countries seem to have it a lot more figured out. Like, I don't know why it is, but Canada seems to be <laughs> like on the cutting edge of a lot of this. So way to go, Canada. Yeah. But yeah, it's like yeah. there's a lack of knowledge, lack of awareness and also, you know, kind of a siloed approach to health in general. So it's nice to hear that you're doing this kind of like map of the brain. I wish I had one, honestly, two years later. And yeah. I still feel like I'd love to know, like, I know it's not where it was. I'd still love to know, like, from a professional's opinion, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I agree. The fact that you're yeah, looking and, into yeah, the cognitive piece along with the function, that's something we haven't heard yet. We've heard people talk about them individually, yeah. but not together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that siloed yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's one of those. Um, if you're not looking at the brain as a whole, you're going to miss things. People are going to slip through the cracks. We don't get everyone better, but we have a higher success rate because we look into these things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's the difference, really, in chiropractic neurologists or that the field that we're in in general compared to if you go to someone else. But there's a lot, I should also say, there's a lot of fantastic physical therapists, occupational therapists out there that do unbelievable work. So for this community in particular, you need to question if you have a doctor or neurologist or whoever, you go to your primary care and they tell you, you know, just rest or this will, this is what you're going to look like forever. That's, I mean, that's not true. You know, the brain changes. We know it changes and don't accept that answer. Yeah. So I feel like that's yeah. actually been a recurring theme is making sure for one thing that you're following your instincts about your own body, which is really hard to do when you're dealing with any kind of brain injury because you are 
most of the time fairly impaired, but also to make sure that you keep looking if you feel like you're not being served the way you should be. So important Mm -hmm. lesson there. So you guys do a lot of really interesting types of therapy. Can you speak a little to the types of work that you do with patients um, once you've sort of given them their intro, their their map of the brain or Mm -hmm. and where you take it from there? Yeah. So when people call into the office, they think, well, I'm going to go through this like treatment protocol or whatever. And and I've done podcasts and stuff in the past where I say there is no protocol. And if anyone's doing a protocol and you go to their clinic, they might help you, but I'd be skeptical. Typically people who do protocols, they they don't want to learn everything that there is to learn to find the nuances. So that being said, when someone comes to our clinic, I do we do a lot of physical therapy, so a lot of balance exercises, a lot of vestibular rehab. We do a, a lot of eye movement exercises. We do a lot of uh, neurofacilitation techniques, which would be like different e stems on your body, a vagal stimulation. Um, we do we have a hyperbaric chamber, but we typically that's tr- we use that off label. Uh, you can't FDA is not approved. Uh, hyperbaric therapy for traumatic brain injury, which is sad because there is actually research on it. At least in our office, we can't use it for that. So we use that in conjunction with our therapy sometimes. Sometimes people come in and they'll only get neurofeedback. Mm. It just depends on the person in front of us. Uh, A lot of people will do a lot of physical therapy, hands-on type of exercises. And a lot of the words that I would use uh, for the different therapies we have, people would be like, I don't know what you're saying, uh, <laughs> whatever. But yeah. uh, we have we have a lot of different techniques, I guess. And the main thing is context-specific exercises. So if I train, if you come to my clinic, you had a head injury, and you, your balance wasn't very good, well, it's not very context-specific if I'm training you in a chair and just you're sitting down the whole week. So we do things like we, we put you in your context. Mm-hmm. We if, if you want to get better at a certain sport like hockey or whatever it is, we're going to do therapies that mimic that, that kind of carry over to real life. So I think that's another thing. And you'll see, you start, you're going to start seeing that with more clinics around the country is we realize that we could, you know, just doing all these therapies and just lighten up someone's brain is not good enough. You need to do it in a context specific manner. Right. So that's that's something else that we take into consideration. That sounds very much like a physical therapy type model, which I find interesting because yeah. the chiropractors I've been to have never even recommended physical therapy. It's more come back, get an adjustment, and then just keep coming back mm-hmm. and with no teaching of how yeah. to stay healthier or stronger. So, okay. This is where, uh, and I didn't know this going through school either. So as a chiropractor, I'm not trained to in school, I am not trained to treat traumatic brain injuries. It just doesn't happen. And you might get some of that in physical therapy. And I don't want to speak on that because, I mean, I do know a few physical therapists and they have some of them, they have no idea. But most of us, chiropractors and physical therapists, occupational therapists, we do you have to do outside training in traumatic brain injury and things like that in order to treat these people. And you don't learn it in school. So when you go to a traditional chiropractor's office, who's not trained in traumatic brain injury or anything like neuroscience wise, you're not going to get explanations for your head injury. You're just going to say, they're going to tell you, well, your spine's not working. You know, let's adjust your spine, keep bringing you back because that's all they know. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, but that is a very narrow section of people that you can help in my opinion. So we, you know, we actually blend. So we'll have low back pain, uh, neck pain, patients, headaches, people who haven't had a head injury come through our office. So we do, we do both. So we, like when I said we do it all, we, we pretty much, you know, we'll, we treat everything. But uh, your traditional PT chiropractic model, they're not trained in it, unfortunately. And so it's not surprising that you would get those type of therapies. So yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I, what you're talking about sounds pretty fantastic in terms of how tailored the experience is to the patient, which is, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. how healthcare should be, right? Talking about like, there is no protocol, it depends on the body. So I hope that that's the way the world moves a little bit. But um, but if, if you were to recommend to somebody who's like listening to you right now and saying, that sounds like exactly what I need, how would they find, you know, something that's similar? What should they look for? 
I'm glad you asked. I, uh, <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so if you're if you're wanting to, I don't know about the physical therapy realm. There's some great ones out there that look look for like a vestibular physical therapist or whatever, depending, right? But if if you're looking like and you're saying I want to try the chiropractic neurological model, there is a, a you can go online and actually search for these people. So. It's called the American Board of Chiropractic Neurology. If you type in the American Board of Chiropractic Neurology, you'll you can there's a there should be a little tab up at the top that says doctor located. You can type in your state, you can find someone in your state or your city that is a diplomate in chiropractic neurology, which means that they've taken 300 plus hours of postdoc training in traumatic brain injury and stuff like that. But you can find these people all over the country. There's there's a lot of them. And, you know, you, in our state, we're the only ones. <laughs> so it, it depends on which state yeah. you're in, but it's, uh, that, that's one way to, to find people who are tra- treating people like I'm, this. I think I'm going to do this because I, I've actually, I had back problems well before my brain injury. And then I got hit by a car, which doesn't help oh, your back problems. Actually, it like gave me back problems in a different place. So I still have the old back problems plus the new back problems mm-hmm. up into my neck, plus the brain injury stuff. Like I, I often do feel like there's still stuff that I need to take care of physically. But. Yeah. Most people, when they come into us, they say, I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. That's their main thing. You might have pain, like musculoskeletal pain, but most people tell us, I don't feel right. And I think the main reason is because they have this, well, not only do you have this brain injury, but the way I think about brain injuries and I look at the brain is you have all these areas that are communicating. It's just millions of areas that they are just con- constantly talking. When you have a brain injury, you disrupt what's called the axons. If you guys know what axons are, this basically you have a nerve cell mm-hmm. here, have a nerve cell here, and axon connects it to what happens all over the brain, right? Mm-hmm. Area, different areas are communicating. So if you disrupt that communication, you create what we call compensations. And when someone comes to see us and, and most chiropractic neurologists that you'll see, if you go in and you have a concussion and you still haven't recovered and it's been months, that means your brain has a, you've compensated in a way that's not optimal. And what that means is you might have a dizziness issue or a vestibular issue, but your vision has to upregulate or downregulate in order to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times when people have ba- balance issues, I'm, I'm getting off on the weeds, but when you have balance issues, people's necks tighten down and they start moving as a block. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have to break what we call break compensations. People will come in the first couple of days that we're treating them. We're trying to have their brain relearn what it's like to move like a yeah. normal human. It's kind of so, amazing because like, your body doesn't stop evolving or trying to solve its own problems. Right. So like you throw something, I mean, like, so I had vertigo after my accident and I definitely like found myself working around my one trigger spot where I knew if I looked in that direction, I was going to be triggering a vertigo episode. So I just found myself Mm. like working around it. Your brain is an amazing thing and can do that, but it doesn't actually solve the problem. It's just like you develop these coping mechanisms, right? That are like helping avoid pain or helping avoid trauma or whatever it is. And, and also like you live your life and sorry, this is a tangent, but like I've now had, I've, so post accident, I've had a baby and I found my pelvic floor is a lot weaker than it was, which has actually triggered a whole lot more back issues because, you know, like I'm dealing with strength stuff, but everything is so connected and you don't stop living your life. So the changes don't stop happening. So your body doesn't stop trying to deal with all that. You kind of have to like dig down and deal with the actual issues. I think if you're ever going to <laughs> see a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it is true. It is true. And I will also say kudos to you for actually noticing what triggers you because most people will come in and they're just like, ah, like when your brain, it's kind of like, imagine, you know, you're in a hangover and you don't notice things and you're just like, uh, like you just don't feel right. And, and you're, not, you're not tuned to your body. Mm-hmm. So most people, they don't know that, oh, I look left and it makes me dizzy. Yeah. Like most people are just like, I don't know. I get dizzy when I get dizzy. I don't yeah. know. But I have my fair amount of that, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's taken a few years, but yeah. <laughs> but it, it, you have to look at uh, the, the body just differently. And the way I look at it, the way Dr. Pendleton looks at it, we, we're looking at the person in front of us and saying, 
what are their compensations? And, and we're trying to tease it out because some people like you, I'm sure it, I mean, if you're healthy, people kind of mask those things. Like you're doing a physical exam you might say, well, that wasn't pathological, but that wasn't as smooth as it probably should be for this person who is in actually pretty good shape. And then, so what, if you go to a chiropractic neurologist, hopefully, and they're doing an exam on you, they'll find something and say, that doesn't look quite right. Let's challenge it more. Let's challenge it with them standing up. Let's challenge it in real life scenarios. And then if it breaks down even more, we know there's a window there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a compensation. Let's, let's see what we can do. And you got to remember, you walk around in the world, most people, I think, just my opinion, when you have a concussion or you have a traumatic brain injury, you lose that spatial orientation. You don't really know where you are in space that well. So your brain uses all these weird compensations. I think one of them is people's necks tighten up. They stop, they stop turning their head separate from their body. All these weird little compensations that you would have no idea unless someone challenged you mm-hmm. and, and pulled it out of you. So yeah. I'm nodding. Anyways, I don't know where I was going I'm with that. I'm nodding vigorously <laughs> because I'm one of those tight neck people, like <laughs> for sure. Exactly. And yeah. I'm just yeah. sitting here wondering, my brain injury was very different. I didn't have a knock on the head. I uh, mm. had an acquired brain injury, a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which just happened spontaneously. And at this mm. point, you know, I initially had some balance issues and that wore off and got better. But at this point, I'm sitting here wondering, like, I wonder if I have these weird compensatory things that I'm not even aware of. Yeah, it's certainly possible. It, uh, oh my, oh, I guarantee you do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We all have our compensations. This is the reason I say that we all have, like, I've, I've had ankle injuries in the past and I know I compensate, especially when I run. And so there's, uh, it's just a matter of let's find them, you know, mm. like that. I, but yeah, when you said it, just kind of went away that's your brain compensating yeah you know what i mean so it's it's not the brain learns it changes it compensates and and the reason that i think people don't flourish and they're not feeling optimal like they used to before a head injury or brain injury or bleed is that they've created these faulty compensations it might be perfect for what your brain knows how to do but it's not optimal Yeah. yeah Actually, running is a really good example because you can very obviously see when somebody's compensating for something when they're running. Aaron and I are both runners or have been in the past pre-injury. Trying to be (laughs) (laughs) But you can obviously see someone who's compensating for something that they're dealing with. But eventually that compensation, because it's not really mechanically the way your body's supposed to run, right, ends up in another kind of injury, right? Yeah. 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 We see it all the time. Yeah. I, I, I would tell you the number one, not number one thing we see, but one thing that we do see all the time, and it's not necessarily head injuries, but especially with head injuries is like people's posture changes or shoulders kind of slump forward, right? Yeah. Uh, depending on if you had a stroke or whatnot. And then sometimes when the shoulder rolls forward, you'll have impingement on the bicep tendon or on the rotator cuff and then you get deconditioned. And then next thing you know, you have a rotator cuff injury and you're like, why do I have a rotator cuff injury? I've been healthy my whole life, but it was from a head injury two years ago and you didn't really put that together. Oh my God. It's like you have a camera in the room with me watching my shoulders right now. (laughs) It's that I I have like rolled shoulders and tight neck and I'm literally, okay. So I'm literally sitting here with a lumbar support thing from my physical therapist. Uh I'm in my office and Mm -hmm. my team actually makes fun of it. They call it my lower back support, but I can't sit here without it. So. Yeah. Well, and then you should ask yourself why, you know, like, so it, that's the, that's, that's what I think people, and you kind of, you feel it from people, right? Like when you talk to them and, and you're like, this person kind of gets it, they understand is they're asking questions like why. And and I, I've always been that kind of person is like, what, well, why, why, why does she have a lumbar support? Mm-hmm. Is, she, is she, how's her core bracing? And, you know, what is, what does her gait look like? You know, like, what are, all these things go through your head. So I think that's one thing as chiropractors in general, even if all chiropractors is really good at looking and asking those questions like, mm-hmm. well, why is that happening? You know, yeah. it's not just the way it is. It's what is yeah. it? What's going What's on? What's the so. root of the problem so that we don't have to treat the symptoms. Exactly. We can make the fix if possible. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. curious. So you mentioned the hyperbaric chamber. I had no idea what that was until I fairly recently read this book called Miracle Creek and it's it 
plays just like a role in the book. They're treating autism with it or something in the book. But could you speak a little mm -hmm. to what the hyperbaric chamber is? And because I, I have a feeling a lot of people don't know what it actually is. Okay, so I'm not an expert. I will open by saying that <laughs> I didn't really know what a hyperbaric chamber was uh, until about a year ago when we got one in our clinic. And basically, you're pressure up. You're getting into a chamber. Ours is a it's not one of the soft shells. It's a hard shell chamber. Um, it gets to 1.5 atmospheres. It basically uses pressurized oxygen and it pushes it into your tissues and it kind of floods your whole system with oxygen at a higher rate than you normally would have. Like I've used, we use it with all kinds of people, but specifically, if you look up research on traumatic brain injury, there is research and it's, I think 40 sessions mm. is where they were, they saw like significant changes in people's cognitive capacity and stuff like that. But we'll typically have someone come in, we tell them here, let's try 10 sessions. You know, we're not trying to sell people, like we're not trying to make money off of people. It's more of, is this therapy, right for you. Again, going back to the beginning, mm -hmm. is this therapy specific and makes sense for you? I can't speak on the every little nuance with it. I, we have a hyperbaric lady in our office who's unbelievable. She she did uh, hyperbaric chamber therapy and wound care in Aztec, New Mexico mm -hmm. for several years. So she knows every single thing <laughs> you could ever want to know about hyperbaric. And typically people come, they're like, well, why, what, what does it treat? And I'm like, here you go. And <laughs> Here's she'll my tell hyperbaric you. lady. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, you got to think when you have more oxygen in your system, you kind of give your brain and body a accelerated healing mechanism. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. And you need oxygen to be able to heal. And it just, to me, it speeds up the process. So sometimes we'll use it with people in conjunction with our therapy. Sometimes we just only do hyperbaric therapy. Again, it all depends on who's in front of us. And some people, we don't even consider it. So that's interesting. Really I interesting. literally had never heard of it except for that book because I'm a bookworm, but yeah. Yeah, go on our website and uh, uh, Southwest Brain Performance Centers. Our website should have like a little deal about it, talking about it. it has a picture of our chamber and stuff like that. We'll have to uh, look. It's pretty cool. We'll look it up for sure. I know locally here yeah. we use hyperbarics a lot for wound healing and for skin healing because exactly. it helps, uh, like you said, potentiate that healing effect. So it only makes sense mm -hmm. that you would expect a wound in your brain, a bleed mm -hmm. or even whatever, an internal wound. Yeah. Right. To also mm -hmm. then yep. have accelerated healing. It's interesting exactly. that the research is going that direction. I'm happy to hear it. Yeah. yeah and it, it's not it's not enough yet. Right. But I think that there is very compelling evidence. And actually, because we see. Interestingly enough, we see a lot of mold patients and hmm. uh, mold Are you does some mold? crazy stuff to the brain. Mold, like black mold, M-O-L-D, okay. <laughs> like black mold. And you think in New Mexico, we have a really dry climate. The first thing yeah. I thought was that's, doesn't, that doesn't make sense, but it's really, um, and I can't really quote it here and tell you exactly, but it really has to do with the material in the walls that people use. Mm. Um, mold can, can latch on and like live on it for years. I've seen mold destroy people's brains. I mean, absolutely, like you see it on the MRI, absolutely destroy Ugh. brains. So we, so we use hyperbaric for like our mold and metabolic patients too. So uh, huh. it's, it's interesting. That's we cool. just, we, we try things. Yeah. I think that's the one cool thing about not being in network with insurance, as you could say, we're going to try yeah. this Yeah. and it might be the best therapy ever for you yeah. or it might do nothing, yeah. but we're going to try it. Speaking You're of insurance. protocol, they yeah. certainly do have a protocol. <laughs> Insurance really oh, does absolutely. hold back a lot because it's very expensive to kind of explore outside of your insurance. Some people are blessed with those abilities and others can't. Well, expensive and yeah. also like if you want to try and fight your insurance company, that's a whole lot of energy that a lot of us might not have. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's true. And not to get into the insurance game, but I think when you deal with everyone's brain and body is different. How can you, des this is my thoughts, is how can you design research that efficates what I do? Like, I bet if you were able to design it, which is very expensive, research is very expensive. And the reason, you know, pharmaceutical companies, they can, they have the money to be able to, to fund research. Chiropractors do not really. So it's very difficult to, to do that, that type of research. But if you could, and it will, and it's going to come, is our model. We get better uh, people with traumatic brain injuries better faster, I believe, 
And once the research kind of starts to prove that, then you might, you're going to see the insurance model kind of, again, mm -hmm. pick up. Mm -hmm. I don't know when. I can't forecast that, but it's, it's coming. It probably in our lifetime yeah, for sure, but uh, so. it, these things are slow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of takes me back to if our listeners out there listen to episode six with Paige Martin talking about mouse models and the fact that when they're researching brain injuries in mice, they have almost identical mice in these research studies, but they still can't produce the, the identical brain injury even in mice who are almost clones of one another, even if they're mm -hmm. injured in it exactly the same way, the injury is never identical. So imagine like people, we, none of us are, well, they're twins. I'm not going to say none of us are identical, but for the most part, none of us are, are identical. And in, in, out in the real world, it's nearly impossible to produce a brain injury that is even close to the next. So yeah, we and yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't do brain injury models in humans. So yeah. I mean, I, not ethically. You, you go to jail. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> uh, but uh, in, in the real world, the reason I think people get brain injury and you might not recover as well is because you know, look at America, look at the metabolic dysfunction that kind of you know is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And someone who has diabetes that comes in with a head injury is going to respond significantly different than someone who is a an athlete in high school yeah. you know it's brains recover differently and so that's why i said the protocol doesn't work because i can't tell you how many people come in and we we do an exam we're like well we can help you i do think that but we've got to get your metabolics like you need to go on a, on a carnivore diet for two months mm -hmm. You know, like we, we need to get you metabolically stable because if we push you in therapy you could get worse you, we could hit your fatigue point, which this is this is what people in chiropractic neurology do really well with is we push people to their metabolic set, like what they can handle. And then we back off, push it to what they can handle and then back off. Because the moment, you know, I've done this several times, I'm, I'm guilty of it, is you push someone just a little bit too hard. They say, I feel good. Come on, let's keep going. And you do it like five more minutes of therapy. And next thing you know, they don't get out of bed for two days. <laughs> so. And, and to be able to say, to find that and know what someone's, we're kind of constantly learning in our model. Like when we're treating people where it's day by day, yeah. minute by minute is, you know, we measure people's heart rate. Oh, that, that therapy wasn't good for you. That autonomically, like your, your body worked way too hard for something that shouldn't have, you shouldn't have went up to hundred beats per minute doing an eye movement, mm. but we see it all the time. Wow. So so let's talk Those about, are the nuances. yeah, let's talk about that connection a little bit. Cause I know with my brain injury, it was near my brain stem and it did mess up my metabolics. I had issues with my sodium. I couldn't control it. I had to be on fluid restrictions. You know, it changes a lot kind of hormonally as well. So let's talk mm -hmm. about what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, how do you know something's going on? Okay. So yours is a significant issue brain injury everyone's different but what i'll say is we look at autonomic function number one with all of our therapies so what that means is we're looking at your heart rate uh, we look at things like blood pressure but especially heart rate when we're doing any therapy and so do you, do we know what the autonomic nervous system is let's talk about you guys it know. i know from being <laughs> so, a nurse but i think we need to dig yeah. in yeah so let's let's talk about it. There's two two parts of your autonomic nervous system: your parasympathetic or your rest and digest part of your nervous system, and then your sympathetic nervous system, which kind of is your arousal system, your fight or flight mechanism. But what we like to look at is like not just your heart rate, but your heart rate variability. So when you do anything, like right now we're talking, your your heart rate's pumping at a certain certain amount to meet the metabolic demands of your cognitive abilities, your, your spine being able to sit up against gravity. Like we're always, no matter what I do, I go, I reach for my cup right now. That's it. That's, there's a metabolic consequence. So what we find is people with brain injuries, they don't, their brain doesn't regulate that very efficiently. So you go to lift something or you go to, to, you know, turn your head, whatever it is, and your body works way harder or it miss judges what it should produce to complete the task and what that means to be simple if you ever heard of pots or dysautonomia people will stand up and they get very lightheaded mm -hmm. so why would you get lightheaded when you stand up that's your heart is not beat um sorry 
your blood pressure doesn't change to push the blood up into your head when you stand efficiently enough mm -hmm. to where you start getting lightheaded. That is your autonomic nervous system being dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. and we see it on almost all brain injuries, not all, but almost all is this autonomic or this blood flow dysfunction where your brain doesn't do the appropriate amount when you go to do a therapy. So when we're looking at someone's heart rate and we, you know, we have them standing in a, a tandem stance, like feet kind of like this, and they're standing there like, oh, I'm fine. And then we say, well, okay, count by threes from a hundred in reverse order. So they have to use a little bit of cognitive task. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, their heart rate goes up to over a hundred, their balance goes off. And to me, that is a brain that's not able to basically compensate or give you the right amount of fuel for that task. So we see it all the time and people, they over undercompensate for what the task is and we call that autonomic dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just rampant in brain injuries. And I think that's why a lot of people, when you push them too hard, you fatigue those neurons in the area that you're trying to activate and they just, people just tank. Mm -hmm. If you've ever experienced tanking before, then you'll know kind of what I'm talking about. That's my <laughs> biggest thing is mm -hmm. at this point, yep. um, if I try to push too hard, either physically or cognitively, or the worst is when I try to do both, I, I'm like a toddler. <laughs> you know, you get overtired mm -hmm. and I start crying or I'm very emotional, depressed in mm -hmm. that you just hit that wall probably because of what you're yeah. saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your brain, remember, your brain's very metabolically active. So what is it? The, the statistics are like you use 20 or 30 percent of your caloric needs and your daily energy just to keep your brain functioning. So if it's not working appropriately and now it's needing more energy than it used to have, you're not efficient. Yep. And then as soon as I push that system too much, you just go hmm. tank. Yeah. So yeah. how does someone know? Because it's you know, you were saying earlier, people come to you after years of having dealt with a symptom or years of having dealt with something that's not being addressed. How would we know to see you sooner? What things kind of trigger that? To, to come see me? Yeah. Um, so uh, I think number one would be dizziness, balance issues. Uh, number two would be like just severe fatigue. Like if you're fatigued, you get up in the mornings, you feel okay. And then, you know, an hour later, you're just like, God, I'm so tired. And, you know, I haven't done anything. And I think that's a red flag to say your brain. I mean, let's let's, you know, people like numbers, people like dates. So if it's over a couple months and you're still experiencing that, you need to find someone like I told you earlier in the podcast, you find a chiropractic neurologist, someone who has a diplomat who kind of understands this stuff and call them and say, look, this is what I'm dealing with. Because you shouldn't, your brain, in, unless you have a significant bleed or something, a, a stroke, something that's really significant, you shouldn't, it shouldn't take that long. Your brain should be able to adapt and change. And then you, that's why most concussions recover, right? But when you don't recover and a couple of months go by, three months, you know, after three months, you're considered post-concussive syndrome. Once you get to that point, it's like you need to find someone because you know, you don't want permanent compensation or permanent change to something that could have been dealt with. So that's what I would say for that answer. But as far as brain bleeds and strokes, I, this is my opinion, is the earlier, the sooner the better. Like if we see someone who had a stroke, you know, within a few weeks to a month, we have a lot better chance of helping them than if, if you had a stroke and you come to see us three or four years later, or something mm -hmm. like that. We could still create change, but so you got to look at it. If you look talking about brain injuries, concussions are different than like a significant brain injury where there's tissue that died or is dying. Yeah. You mentioned so. um, a lot of vision stuff. Could you speak a little to what you typically see or like how you might, how you might like toss rabbit <laughs> we like rabbit holes. It's totally fine. But like episode eight, we talked to Dr. Emily Buse. She's a physical therapist about vestibular rehab, but that there's so much more vision related that brain injury survivors might need to tackle. Can you talk a little about that? Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, but because Should we buckle I, up? I think this was <laughs> But I think that's what separates a lot of uh, the clinics that get a lot of people better. Mm -hmm. So that physical therapist you're talking about, I'm sure she helps a lot of people mm -hmm. because she looks at the eyes. Mm -hmm. It is, okay, 
So we, we have eye tracking technology uh, we use in our office called Ride Eye, or you might go to an audiologist and get a what's called a VNG, a vestibular nystagmography. So you're, <laughs> you you're gonna, spoke to that. Emily basically, to they that. could. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, so you can look at people's eyes and, and, you know, whether you're tracking, whether you're jumping to targets, whether you're looking up or down, left and right, mm-hmm. whether you're going in a circle, you can look at these metrics and say, oh, that's dysfunctional. That's out of range. Yeah. And actually on bedside, we can find people, we can do convergence, divergence, we can do it pursuing or, or tracking it in, or we could do it where we jump hmm. in and out. And a lot of people who have concussion, they'll have skews of their eyes. And what we do, like we'll put them in dark, we record their eyes. And I mean, how many times do you put your, you know, you can't, I mean, almost no one has the ability to record people's eyes. So what we do in our office and when we put people in dark, you'll see weird things happen hmm. with the eyes. They'll start doing stuff. So we know as soon as we see eyes do something disconjugate hmm. or they're doing something dysfunctional, that's happening under the surface. Yeah. Hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? So like if, if your eyes do this, which we see a lot, it's, if you have a convergence spasm, if your eyes jump in in the dark, hmm. that means that there's a signal coming from your brainstem saying, go in. Yeah. That's happening all the time. And these people have headaches, motion sensitivity, light sensitivity, ringing in their ears, and it could be coming from their eyes mm-hmm. because a part of the brainstem that's controlling the eyes that does this is firing too much. Huh. That's fascinating. So we'll see, we'll see things like that all the time. And unless you put people in different contexts and, and tease it out, you miss it. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, that's probably one of the number one things we do is look at the eyes and then we make sure the eyes are functioning first mm-hmm. before we do anything else. That's cool. Yeah. It's funny. I'm, as someone who dealt with vertigo after my accident, speaking of which that gyrostem reference <laughs> earlier, I was like thinking of that with like my vertigo and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that sounds so yeah. terrible. But anyway, yeah. um, I went to physical therapy for vertigo, but it was really just the Epley maneuver and making sure that I could function, but there was never any look mm-hmm. at the eyes. So that's, that's why it's kind of interesting to me. I, I feel like, you know, like some of us, again, deal with the symptom, but not maybe necessarily always the, the root cause. The root cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just another arena mm-hmm. where that might happen. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, dizziness is very complicated. I love mm-hmm. dizziness. I love treating it. It's, it's hard, but the most common diagnosis is BPPV. They'll do the Epley mm-hmm. or they'll do the Dix Hall Pike and be like, okay, let's do the Epley and then try to move the crystals. I think a lot of people miss people's dizziness because you're looking at it too simplistic and it's not all, a lot of times it's not that crystal, it's something else. Mm-hmm. It's the way that the inner, your inner ear fires into your brainstem and kind of like functionally telling you where you are in space. And then as soon as that gets skewed, like in a concussion or something, say your neck's not firing into mm-hmm. that system and telling you appropriately, then you get these weird imbalances and people are like, I get dizzy, but it's not vertigo. <laughs> it's like, I, I might rock a little bit mm-hmm. or I move and then the world takes a while to catch up. And so it's, yeah, you got to look at these things very, like not textbook mm-hmm. yeah. is what I would say. Yeah. Which is hard for us, I think, as human beings, we're used to like linear approaches to things, you know, like I do this, then this, this, but it's not necessarily the way the, the body works. So I wish it was that easy. Yeah, <laughs> but it make life a lot easier. <laughs> I think another yeah. interesting thing with my injury that maybe you can speak to, maybe you can't. Mine was in a layer of my, you know, it was a meningeal layer, so it covers all the way down to the spine. So not only did I have a brain injury, but my whole spine was affected and I had pain all the way down into my sacrum, almost as severe as my head. Uh, Like I had no idea that that was even possible until Erin had her brain injury. And she like, I just sort of assumed the brain is the brain, but I had no idea that it could bring the spine into it. It's all connected. Yeah. And I could barely move because it was so tight. I would speak on it, but I, I'll yeah. be honest with you. That's, that's different. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a significant, um, thing. Uh, I, I, but you gotta remember the brain controls the spinal cord and yeah. the spinal cord feeds back to the brain. So if one's not functioning, the other one's probably not functioning either. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. it's the pilot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I like approaches like yours. Cause you're looking at all those different triggers and how they all tie together. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I wish I had yeah. known that people like you exist because I, I would have gone sooner. I think I just like I, I struggled in my recovery because I, I was sort of like the boss of the journey in a way. And I didn't know a thing about brain injuries to start all of this. And mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I had to source my physical therapist not knowing exactly what kind of physical therapy I needed. I had to find, you know, like different mm -hmm. doctors and rather than having one resource that would kind of point me in the right direction or, or do like a proper mm. holistic assessment and tell me like where yeah i mean it's it's very difficult to find those people and it's it's just the way we're trained mm -hmm. um i've always been someone who's like like i told you earlier is why 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 and then <laughs> looking outside the box I'm, I'm interested in psychiatric illness i'm interested in acupuncture i don't know a lot about it i'm like i'm interested in all of these things mm -hmm. and then instead of just being in your lane it's very difficult to find someone who's kind of looking at everything you might not be great at everything but you're kind of like well now this person they need this type of treatment and you know what i know a person that does that that's you it know, i don't i don't deal yeah, with hormones let me help I, you. I know someone who does here you yeah. go so uh it, I, and that's unfortunately the key. that's the way it is yeah so. but that's yeah, the key that's, is that yeah, you're it, willing to look at that and say okay this is not me you're not saying that it's not treatable you're just saying i you need to go to someone else that's not me rather mm -hmm. than yeah, kind of gotta, the western ego in this game. <laughs> of being you know we can't help you hands yeah. clean yeah so I, I would say if, if you're looking in from 2020 on and you're like, I need a healthcare team, I think you need someone who's a great functional medicine practitioner. I would have a chiropractic neurologist and a great physical therapist mm -hmm. because those those three, I think, if you can combine them or if you can find a good one or two of those, you're going to get better. Yeah. Pretty, you know, bet, you're going to have a lot better chance to get better, yeah. I think. I mean, it makes sense. Your brain is so much tied into every function of your body. You need someone that's looking into function. There's no mm -hmm. pill you can take that's going to heal how your body functions. That's just a Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. so. That's why you won't see uh, pharmaceutical companies doing research on these type of things. And there are a lot of them are pulling out of like the Alzheimer's and dementia world because it's way too complex. You can't take a pill that's going to change brain function, really. It just doesn't doesn't exist. That's why they don't work. So it's not financially viable for them. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a whole nother <laughs> right? conversation. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> We all can recognize but yeah. it, but let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, I think like the more Aaron and I have talked to medical practitioners, the more strongly I believe that the holistic view of the body is better for the patient and, and do hope that that is how things are moving. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And most, and it's very political and it's very egocentric as far as, uh, I love, I have some really good friends who are medical doctors. And the thing is, they're at the, the upper echelon, right? They're on the, the, the pedestal and they're, you know, and I think when you're, when you get there, so instead of people you know, being super mad at their practitioner, their medical doctor, you got to think of the box that they're in, you know, they're, they are so limited because of insurance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, they're not taught these things and they're not, they don't have time to learn these things because of how their practices are set up. And I, it's unfortunate. So I don't, I don't ever get mad at that system. I just look at it and say, I'm in, a, I'm looking at the body and brain in a different way. Yeah. Um, this is this these are the things I'm interested in. This is what I think medicine is turning to. I think the functional medicine and the functional neuro neurological rehab is that's the the future. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, it's awesome to know that you're out there, and I definitely am going to be um, checking to see if we have anything like that nearby because I, I do think it would be helpful. But um, I know there is people out there, so <laughs> let's yeah, you'll so. Find them. let's just see how far yeah. I have to drive. But is there anything else you wanted to cover while we're here? Any anything about um, your practice or anything you'd like to share? Uh, I guess one thing I would say is it, we need to take age off as being a uh, limiting. So like I, I've treated people in their 80s, mm. you know, so I, I know that's a little bit off topic, but I think that no matter what your age is, we, we've treated kids that are two and three years old 
no matter where you are on that spectrum of age, like your brain and body can change and you need to always ask questions. You need to always uh, not accept uh, the answer that you're given, you know, just because someone says, you know what, this is the way it is. Well, is it? I don't know. I mean, we, we, we've helped a lot of people significantly who have been told dozens of times that it's it. Mm -hmm. this is your reality. So I think that's very important to me. That's why I reach out to people who do things like what you guys are doing, who want to, you know, raise awareness because there's other answers out there and you just got to keep looking and have the faith. And yeah, well, the age thing is really helpful to hear. It's not something we've really talked about a whole lot on this podcast yet, but the majority of brain injury survivors are much older than Aaron and I are. We're in our thirties, but the reality is falls um, that often result in brain injuries and that that can happen more often in elderly folks. So that's good to hear that they Mm -hmm. have as much hope, you know, as a younger Mm -hmm. patient. Yeah, because we do yeah. see that I mean, a lot. You can't just give up on them. Yeah, we see that a lot yeah, of your own older brain. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Neuroplasticity is slow for you or, you know, you have cerebral mm-hmm. atrophy and this it is, is just different. how it is. It, and you're right. It is different. When you get up in the age like that, it's not as easy to help these people. I'm not going to admit that, but I, I'm not going to sit there also. And like, we'll, we do repositioning maneuvers, Epley maneuvers, yeah, Epley maneuvers on people in their 70s all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone, they come in and they're like holding the wall, like, oh my God, I'm going to fall off the planet. Mm-hmm. We do a maneuver and then next thing you know, they feel significantly better. And that to me tells you the brain can change. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're older too, it doesn't matter. So don't give up just because of your age. Yeah. yeah. I love that message. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also just sort of like the reminder that, you know, just because someone tells you you can't do something doesn't necessarily mean you can't do it. And I'm speaking as an overachiever who the second you tell me I can't do something, I will find a way to try and prove you wrong. But I think like it's it's a good reminder that, you know, you don't necessarily just need to shut off the second you hear you can't heal, you can't do this or mm-hmm. there is a limit or, you I know, agree. like because nobody can peek inside your brain. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to hear about all that you're doing. And honestly, like a a view into the world of chiropractic neurology has been pretty fascinating and quite educational, I will say. So thank you, Dr. Eves, for joining us. Oh, no problem. I'll do it anytime. anytime. (laughs) We may yank you back in. So careful what you say. (laughs) So um, that's fine. (laughs) To our listeners out there, um, if you would like to check out more of what Dr. Eves is doing or um, more of what his practice is doing, he's on Instagram at dr.e underscore neurochiro. And uh, the practice that Dr. Eves works for is the Southwest Brain Performance Centers out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, one of the few of its kind in the state. So that's awesome. Thank you. So I'm Mariah Morgan signing off with my co-host, Aaron Martin. Thank you all for joining us on the Making Headway podcast. Check us out on social media and we will see y'all next week. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com.